Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of crisis communications, business continuity, and emergency notifications. So let's jump right in and meet our guest, Ann Pickering, the president of OnSolve. Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. Vanessa, what a pleasure to be here, and uh, I I look forward to sharing a few minutes and seeing if I can answer all those questions for you. (laughs) So can you tell our listeners more about you and how you got into the world of information technology and business continuity? Sure. Um, As uh, IT was a planned component of where I took my career, my uncle worked for IBM, and when I decided I didn't want to go pre-med, he said, you need to go like computer science. So I did my undergraduate work at University of Georgia, um, math, statistics, and went right into the IT world out of college. And from that, that parlayed into IT cons- management and then IT consulting. And rolling into business continuity was a sheer accident. And one that I never thought would define my career. So in uh, over 20 years ago, I had someone approach me to help build out a consulting practice in the southeastern region for Comdisco Availability Services, probably called something different at that point in time, like Comdisco Disaster Recovery Services. And that led into a career that never wavered out of business continuity and disaster recovery and crisis communications. Awesome. So are you a bulldog? I am a Georgia Bulldog. Ah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's uh, that's an SEC football fanatic talking um, with me about football. But yes, you know, my family all went uh, to Georgia, my sons, and uh, we still follow them. Awesome. I grew up in Atlanta, so I have an appreciation for the, for the Bulldogs. Very good. <laughs> but I am a Gamecock. And, but being the, being a Gamecock, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so what is your advice to someone just entering into the profession of business continuity or being provided the opportunity to work in this functional area? Take it. Uh, <laughs> and I say that real quickly because uh, I was very hesitant to make that move. As a matter of fact, I mentally said I would not be defined by that. It was what I thought was a niche career. And obviously, it's turned out to take me from being a director of a consulting group in the Southeast, obviously, to uh, president of, uh, you know, a multi, multi multi-million dollar technology company in the field, uh, still supporting crisis communications. So it's been wonderful. And the reason I would advise everybody to do that is that if you don't know what you want to do in your career, you will learn everything about a company that you go to work for. Or if you go on the consulting or vendor side, you'll learn everything about a lot of companies Mm -hmm. and you can find where your passion is. You'll probably find it ends up being in this area but it could be anywhere. So I'm like uh, just adamant about the option of telling you, if you get a chance to get into the career, take advantage and you will have 
quickly executive contacts across the company. You'll be able to learn workflow process and critical processes that, you know, you can find out where you you really fit. And I think that's a great uh, recommendation. That is so true. That's actually how my career started. And it's it's cross-functional. You get to work with everybody and you get to know all the great things about the company that most Mm -hmm. people don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So having been in the industry for so many years, how have you seen the industry change over time? It really, really has. You know, when I joined, one of the first thing, first two things that happened that I had to deal with were uh, Hurricane Andrew that swept through southern Florida. And so we were in the southeastern region. We had some customers there that were impacted. And I got to see firsthand what they were dealing with. And I think it was the redefinition of what was traditionally disaster recovery, more IT-focused and centric with you know, having technology no longer available. And I saw it from the human perspective. And I said that, you know, dealing with any event that creates a lack of ability to perform the role that your company does creates a crisis for you. Mm -hmm. And being able to deal with that is very important. I've seen executives become far more involved than they ever were. And I've seen the discussion around duty of care come up so much more. Even on uh, the board for OnSolve, I have to respond for our employees around a duty of care, what we're doing to protect our employees and deal with the risk. I mean, our conference this spring is all about, for DRJ, is about risk. And I think that's changed dramatically, that landscape. So you've had a very technical career. You've moved your way up into leadership positions. You've influenced from top down, bottom up, right, left, in the middle out, right? (laughs) So uh, where do you see the biggest challenges for professionals that limits their ability to be truly successful in their role? Have you ever read a book about emotional quotient and being able to understand how you're perceived and, and what you do? And I think that the most limiting factor I've seen, because Through the years, I've had the opportunity to hire and mentor and help promote a lot of individuals. The ones that do well are those that have a good emotional quotient, so to speak. The ones that understand how to communicate with individuals and listen and uh, use the terminology of the executive. So it's managing up and managing down in the organization that you deal with and doing that from a very collaborative standpoint. Where I see people fail is when they think they're on a mission and they're following methodology step one, step two, step three, and they forget to apply it to the culture of the company, and they forget to use the terminology the executives want to hear. I find it interesting because now I'm reversed because I have a business continuity team that works for me, And when they come in to talk to me, they're a little bit on pins and needles, obviously, (laughs) because of my background. But I do encourage them as well to think about it from my perspective, which has really changed a lot. Wow. So it sounds like it's not about your technical experience. It's about how we communicate and Mm -hmm. how we can Mm -hmm. work around a culture. Right. I mean, you know, there's so much technology in the world today. It's great to be able to have that as a background of understanding. But more important, it's about business. The best training I ever received was uh, in business re-engineering, which was really uh, learning to maximize the efficient workflows inside of organizations. 
And that is what you need as a professional that is more focused on business resilience. You've got technology specialists who are going to be uh, they're going to run circles around you around what they're doing on their technology platforms. It's going to be much, much more around reengineering the business. Wow. So let's move to crisis communications. Uh, two questions for you here. How many years have you been in this in that space? And then the second question is, why has that been such a focus of your time in the profession? Ah, well, now you're really into the the micro micro passion of what we're doing. But uh, I really started in crisis communications when I started in business continuity, much more because it was the manual call tree, the ability to try to encourage people to practice and train in those areas. In 2002, or maybe go back to 2001, I was uh, heading up a software, global software component of SunGuard Availability. And we were going to bring a new business continuity uh, program tool to market. <clears throat> so the idea was, can we embed notification technology and or automated notifications and replace call trees? So I went searching for solutions that would match what we wanted to do. And out of that came a passion for automated notification solutions and embedding them as part of the business continuity program. So that led me naturally into uh, communications and crisis communications company. And it's been kind of the core of uh, where my career's been for the last eight years. So looking at that core part of your career for the past eight years, what do you see as trends within the industry of mass communications? Well, I think the adoption of those is uh, moving a lot slower than I would like to see, but still I think it's moving along. And the adoption would be not so much that, Vanessa, you as a professional or me as a professional, we understand the importance of that. But what happens is there's an adoption component of getting people to feel comfortable giving you their personal device information to contact you when they need to through the, uh, the different crisis communications tools that are available. That is kind of the challenge that we faced more so. It's getting that data and the adoption of the users to know because now we're getting very focused on location-centric notifications. I don't want to blast something to a group as a whole. I want to be very targeted to the specific building on the campus that is impacted or in whatever that would be, a geographic region. And to do that, I have to start looking at where people are all the time. And I think that bothers people a lot. And they have to understand it's truly uh, non-intrusive, but it's for their own safety. From your perspective, what's the most critical issue in implementing an automated communication program within an organization? Well, I kind of touched on it when I mentioned uh, the importance of adoption. It's data. You know, you can take a, a, any one of the notification products. We can have you up and running on the same day your contract signed. That's, that's the easy part. The harder part is for an organization to be able to get a comprehensive set or source of data. And what they'll find, it's not going to come from one place. So they spend a little bit of time or in a consulting role with us. We really try to help them through our implementation understand that you may have some core data sitting in an HR system. You may have your contract employee somewhere else. You may have your guest logging in through a kiosk. All of those things come into play to be able to complement and support the data that you need. Because if I don't have good data to contact you, I'm very limited to a few options. And 
you know what? You're never, when I think you are, you're never going to be close to your computer and your email, and you're not going to answer your desk phone because you would have seen your email probably if you were there. You're going to be out and about somewhere at the Starbucks trying to sneak a coffee in before you get back for the next meeting and when we need to notify you. So we need to know, hey, you're out of the building, but I know generally you're okay, and we can send very targeted messages like that. Wow. So for our listeners out there, what you guys may not know is I'm actually in front of Miss Ann Pickering at the moment at the DRJ conference 2019 in Orlando, Florida, and her and her team are here. They're going to do uh, quite a few seminars and you know workshops. Do you have anything that you want to share about what you guys are going to do here in Orlando? <laughs> We're on the agenda most every day, I think. <laughs> well, we are gold sponsors, yes, which I think is awesome. I really like to see Onsoft stepping in to uh, supporting DRJ as they are. Um, I've been adamant. To, when I checked in yesterday, the hotel receptionist asked me, um, have you been here before? And I went, oh, how many years have we been coming to this location? So I've been coming to DRJ's most mostly both spring and fall since 1993. So you can put a few under my belt along the way. Um, and so what are we doing? Uh, let's see. We have uh, a breakout session this afternoon, more focused on helping people implement. Everything we do, and I try to explain this to our team, it's not to sell OnSolve is to share our knowledge that we have to everyone that's here. So I have my professional services team uh, talking about how you can really implement a sound notification environment, which is kind of cool. As gold sponsors, we get uh, the privilege, sometimes the pressure, of following our motivational speaker first thing Monday morning. So I will be on stage. I was supposed to be last year, and I came without a voice. So I missed my session last year and had to have somebody substitute in. So we'll be there. And I have a great guest, Suzanne Laughlin, joining. So um, if all of you are listening to the podcast, DRJ is gone, right? It's over. Go listen to Susie. She is awesome with uh, risk. And uh, I've known Susie for the last 10 years, a great friend that will have a wonderful message around managing risk in your environment. So uh, I'll help her with that session. And then later on Monday, we also have another one of our experts speaking on um, kind of the best practices around crisis communications, pretty much around are you ready, how do you know, and uh, what you need to think about. So when, whether you're you know an OnSoft customer or uh, use another solution, there's always something to be gained from those. So we're busy. Oh, and then the reception tomorrow night. Yes, you can't forget about the reception. Yeah, the parquet. <laughs> so for those of you who are virtual, DRJ has an opportunity for you to stream in live. So although you can't make it to the reception on Monday night, you do have an opportunity to see this conference virtually. Um, so switching gears, do you have any published materials that our listeners can view? If they love to read about crisis communications, yes, there's tons of things that uh, through the years I've written where we remain pretty much accurate and appropriate in this environment. You can find them on the um, OnSolve website, so um, O-N-S-O-L-V-E.com with my southern accent. Some people don't know how to spell it, so um, I'll do that. And you'll find uh, a good library, a lot of which has been published by me through the years, and then... Um, I think it'll be a lot of entertainment for you. All right. And how can our listeners find you? Oh, um, LinkedIn 
is preferred. It's uh, something I stay actively engaged in watching, a strong network there. So it's Ann Pickren, a no dot, just A-N-N-P-I-C-K-R-E-N uh, at LinkedIn. So yeah, join the group and uh, send me uh, comments and uh, support us in anything that uh, you would like to see us cover. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. We have two actions for you. Subscribe and share and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com decoded and asphalusadvisors.com decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded.